This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus later will be joined by... Husker Online intern for not much longer, Matt Reynolds, and he's got some big news um, personally that he'll share with us at that time. But uh, out of the gates, guys, um, players back on campus this week. Uh, they began the summer program on Tuesday, May, uh, May 22nd. So uh, most of the recruits on campus, only two of the 2018 recruits will not be here uh, over the month of May. Um, and that would be running back Maurice Washington and offensive lineman Will Canty. So things moving along. And we're also getting a clearer picture of the attrition on this roster. Uh, we already know guys like Keon Williams and Patrick O'Brien and Ben Miles have announced. Uh, but Saturday, we actually had two that came out for Nebraska. Uh, Brian Brokop as well. Most think he's gone. He still hasn't publicly announced that he is leaving the program. But uh, the two that we learned Saturday, linebacker Andrew Ward. But the bigger one of more significance was Michael Decker um, coming back for his junior year projected as the starting center based on what he did in about six games last year. He was Nebraska's best center. Michael Decker, though, steps away from the game of football. And this is something, if, if you're a member of Husker Online, uh, we have hinted about this since April in our tunnel talks and our premium member features um, that you know Decker had these thoughts in his mind. I know he waited um, until the end of May before players got back on campus this week to make it public. But I don't think Nebraska was surprised by this. Michael Decker, I don't think, loved the game of football enough to want to move forward with this. And, um, you know, I, I guess I want your thoughts on this, Robin. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a surprise, I don't think, to really anyone that was kind of following the situation. And um, as far when you look at it, he is by far the most significant loss uh, as far as roster attrition that we've had so far. So if you're Nebraska and that's your most significant guy, you're feeling pretty good overall about just how this turnover has gone thus far. Yes, it does leave a potential hole in the starting lineup at center, but the good news is Michael Decker didn't practice all spring. And so they basically had 15 practices to work in um, a variety of other centers uh, to give a bunch of people different looks. And I think um, my prediction is going to be Tanner Farmer that moves inside to center. Um, or maybe Cole Conrad. Yeah, potentially. Or, or Bo Wilson moving into guard, whatever it may be. They have veteran guys that can step in and fill that void. And so um, it's a loss because when Michael Decker was good, he was pretty good. And I think his potential, you know, everybody was sought um, in the flashes when, you know, he was really on his game, but it just never came together. And you can't force a guy to love football. And if you don't love football, then there's no reason you need to be stepping on the field. So um, best of luck to him. And I think Nebraska in the long run will be okay, especially considering, um, you know, this is the most important guy we've lost, that they've lost so far. And Nate, I think that lack of the love of the game is maybe why Mike Cavanaugh was always so reluctant to go with Michael Decker. I mean, we the year before that, everyone's like, why is he not in there getting a chance? Well, he almost stepped away from the game that year. Uh, mm -hmm. He was gone the entire summer. And I think the old staff kind of knew that there was just never that full commitment 
for the love of the game of football. Yeah, how invested are you? Uh, you know, are you pouring everything that you've got into into being a great player, a great teammate, and, and helping the team win? And and uh, and I think you know, I, I think you have to give Michael Decker some credit for for recognizing that. Hey, you know what? If I'm going to do this, my heart needs to be all the way in it, and my heart's just not all the way in it. So I'm going to step away and and concentrate on on my academics and whatnot. So. Uh, I think in the in the big picture, you know, if if you can afford to lose um, anybody off the offensive line or a player at a at a position from the offensive line, it's you know it'd probably be a guy like Decker, an interior guy. You know, it's if they had lost a, a tackle or something, I think that would be way more detrimental. But um, you, you have some capable bodies on the interior of that line that you can mix and match and try to get your best five on the field that way. So uh, I think in that respect, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's not ideal, but at the same time, it's not a, a huge blow to this team, especially since he wasn't, um, you know, taking reps and, you know, wasn't a guy that was, uh, you know, I guess a, a big part of this past spring and, and a projected starter for sure, um, you know, without question, heading into next fall. Nate, I guess uh, the one thing I can tell you I remember about Andrew Ward is he took away your Christmas one year. Yeah. <laughs> That's about yeah. – I, mean, I mean, we talk about his his decision to leave. I, I never was really – when I looked at them taking him back then, I'm like, this is an undersized guy. I, I didn't know if he was really even a fit. It didn't feel like anybody else was on him as hard as Nebraska. So that one doesn't surprise me, um, you know, as, as far as his decision. And I didn't really know much about Andrew Ward. I never talked to him. Uh, you'd probably know the most about him and his situation over all of us. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a good player. He, uh, you know, he, he put up a ton of numbers, huge numbers at, at Muskegon High School uh, there in, in Michigan. Uh, helped them win a, a state championship there. Uh, and, and I think that you're right, though. He was a little bit undersized. Uh, he definitely did take away my Christmas uh, right before we went to Nashville. Uh, he, he decided to announce on on Christmas Day that he was committing to Nebraska. So I had, to, I had to type I had to type the uh, the commit story at Christmas dinner table. Uh, Santa, yeah, Nate with, Klaus, and Andrew Ward. Yeah, which you know that always makes the wife happy when you're when you're doing that during Christmas. Dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, P, yeah, PSA to all the recruits that may be listening to this: Don't announce on holidays, please. Uh, that just makes it makes it hard for everybody. But uh, uh, get back to it. Yeah, I think that I, I think that you know losing Andrew Ward again. If there's a if there's a position on that defensive side of the football, especially you know at, at the linebacker spot, it would probably be interior and a guy like Andrew Ward, who really, uh, based off of what Barrett Rude had, had kind of hinted at or said this this past spring, he wasn't necessarily a guy that they were going to be counting on because he was uh, behind quite a few others. Yeah, none of these guys that have left in general. I mean, we wrote a lot of content this spring. I don't think I wrote any of their names down. I never wrote Ben Miles' name. I never wrote Keon Williams' name. We never talked about Andrew Ward. Um, so none of these really are a surprise because the coaches, I think, painted a fairly clear picture, Robin, on who the guys were. And, and you know, these guys obviously were not in the in, in the conversation even for special teams play. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's a, kind of a credit to this coaching staff is they were very upfront and honest 
um, and transparent with how what the situation was and what the competition looked like and what their feelings are as to how every player on the roster would fit into their system going forward. Because obviously it was a pretty massive change on both ends of the or both sides of the ball. So um, I mean that's what you have to do when you take something over. You can't just you know hope that some guy is going to fit your scheme if you don't immediately you know think it's going to happen. And so they're being you know very honest and had those sit down discussions. Each player had a one on one talk with Scott Frost. I'm sure he laid it out perfectly clear for them that you know this is where you stand. Uh, you can stick it out here, but you're probably not going to play. And so your maybe best option is to go find somewhere else that is better suited to your abilities. And uh, best of luck going forward. And you know it's, it's kind of part of the nature of the beast with college athletics, not just football, but um, you know high major college athletics. You know kids get processed. It happens, you know, especially during coaching changes. And so what's going to be interesting is, you know, how much further the attrition goes. Will there be other guys that are cut loose and um, will any of them be of any significance, um, you know, as far as potential uh, contributors this season? As we wrap it up here, I do want to mention um, Nebraska isn't the grad transfer market. It appears uh, Notre Dame corner Nick Watkins. Um, he was going to be the fourth corner for the Irish this year. So good player just was not good enough to kind of get in there. Starting three um, is looking to transfer. He left Notre Dame on good terms. Nebraska is in conversations with him. No visit has been set up at this point. Can you share anything, Nate, about Nick Watkins and, and what you know about him right now? Well, he was a four-star recruit coming out of Dallas, Texas, Bishop Dunn High School, which is the same high school as Damian Daniels uh, came from. Uh, was actually recruited by a previous staff uh, at Nebraska. Um, and, Which one? Uh, it was it was right. Was uh, it the Pelini guys or what? It, it, it was Pelini. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to say. Yeah. It's kind of he's one of the. It's kind of rare, rare to say that, but yeah, you got to say which staff now because there's three staffs really in four or five years here. Exactly. So um, and and I think I mean from from what I've heard, you know, he's had some injuries throughout his career that kind of uh, uh, I think delayed some of his development. So, but but he was a highly recruited kid coming out of high school. Uh, like I said, a four-star guy. So I think that they uh, would take him, no question. Yeah, that, yeah. This is definitely a player a that you would you would certainly take at a position of of big need. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, Black Friday. Bill Moose announced the future of that this week. We'll give our thoughts on that, and then later in the show, we're going to talk more about future non-conference scheduling. That's all next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we're talking a little bit about Bill Moose here in this second segment of the show. And uh, we've talked a lot of Black Friday football this last year, um, going back to when Sean Eichhorst decided to just take Nebraska off of Black Friday. Um, and it was supported by Mike Riley. And then it just led to outrage, um, you know, so to the point where Nebraska's administration, Ronnie Green and Hank Bounds, made Sean Eichhorst have a press conference and admit he made a mistake two days before the Northern Illinois game, in which Sean Eichhorst then had a press conference after the Northern Illinois game, and that was it. He was gone after that week. Um, but nonetheless, Bill Moose, when he came on the job, he said one of the first things he wanted to do was get the Black Friday series back with Iowa. It never made any sense. Iowa still wanted the game. They liked it. Kirk Ferentz, Gary Barda were all for playing Nebraska on Black Friday. Because Iowa basically kicked Nebraska's teeth in the last couple years and the Huskers looked physically outmatched, 
Icorse said, we, we, we don't want to play this game anymore on Black Friday. I mean, that's my take on why he did that. Bill Moose is like, no, we need this for Nebraska football. We need the marketing. So we learned this week, Robin, that the game will be back with Iowa starting in 22. In the meantime, uh, the 20 and 21 Minnesota games. And this was a question I had. Could they keep those games on Black Friday? And Bill Moose said those games will be on Black Friday. So bring the wife, guys. We're going to the Twin Cities for Black Friday shopping one year. <laughs> yeah, a little Mall of America trip over Thanksgiving. What could, go, what could be better? But, yeah, uh, that was a total disaster, going back to the I-Course thing. I mean, this was a guy who spent his entire career being the man behind the curtain, never talked publicly about anything, and then just a total turn of desperation to hold multiple press conferences within a week and basically like recite his resume and accomplishments to basically <laughs> defend his job. It was it was kind of embarrassing, to be honest. And this was you know, one of the biggest reasons why, I mean, aside from all the on-field issues, uh, the, the, to just go and unnecessarily disrupt a tradition that had gone long before he ever knew what Nebraska football was. It'd be like the Dallas Cowboys saying, you know what, we're done playing. Or the Lions. We're I mean, done yeah. playing Thanksgiving like, football because the short week sucks. Exactly. And I think that part of that too, uh, Mike Riley was not a fan of playing on a short week um, if, unless they had, didn't absolutely have. But then I, of course, was so quick to sign Nebraska up for Friday night football. I know. To so kiss, it, made, it made no sense. To kiss Jim Delaney's butt. It made no sense. So, yeah, I think this was a deal where he wanted to get out of that spotlight uh, because. Quite frankly, Nebraska couldn't compete with Iowa physically, and they were getting embarrassed on national television more often than not. And so um, whatever, add it to the list of failures of the I-Course tenure, and uh, the good news is that uh, Bill Moose seems to be on his way to fixing some of those damages. Well, I think it goes to show just how out of touch Sean Eichhorst may have been. With the fan base. I prefer the word tone deaf. Well, yeah, (laughs) tone deaf is probably the better way to to put it. I mean, because I I got the feeling that that he felt like this would be something that would just kind of go unnoticed or people wouldn't really talk about. Yeah, okay, that's fine. You know, like it wouldn't be a big deal. But, I mean, playing on Black Friday is a big deal, and it it is a tradition. And and anytime, I mean, we all know how people are with traditions around here. I mean, anytime there's a change with something like that, you're going to get some pushback. And, and then all of a sudden he had to, to backpedal and try to, you know, try to get his way, you know, try to smooth things over and, and whatever. And, and um, you know, luckily I feel like Bill Moose, it seems to be relatively in touch with the fan base and understand what, you know, what fans like and what they want. And uh, so it's in that regard, I think uh, you have to feel a lot better about things. What I didn't like about it was how I-Course made it sound like the Big Ten forced this move. And that was clearly not the case because now all of a sudden they're going to work back with Nebraska and Iowa and put the game on. They made it sound like with the scheduler at that time, oh, you know, the Big Ten forces upon us. And and now we know uh, that wasn't the case uh, when you kind of look at how they're going to align Nebraska and Iowa forever. And they're even going to rob and make that a basketball rivalry yeah. where um, Nebraska and Iowa will always play twice a year in basketball. And I know it's completely different when you talk about football rivalries and basketball, but just from a geographical sense, the fact that Nebraska and Iowa weren't playing home and homes every single season was just dumb. Uh, I mean, you play Rutgers yeah, twice? Rutgers and Penn, Penn State, State and basically the furthest possible destinations you could go. Uh, and Sunday, not, 11 a.m. games playing, at Maryland. Yeah, you're not playing the one drivable road game every year or having you know the school with the most local, uh, I guess, 
fan rivalry uh, the, the, to come to Pinnacle Bank Arena. It just didn't make any sense. And so that will be a permanent fixture going forward. Looks like Nebraska-Iowa football is going to be a permanent fixture going forward. And so uh, the Big Ten was intent from the get-go to make Nebraska-Iowa a true rivalry within the conference. And the only way to do that is making sure you play each other every year in as many sports as possible and try and get that thing going. When you think about just the big picture view of Black Friday and it does mean so much to Nebraska football. You can argue that single day over history played as big of a factor as any in marketing Nebraska. The days when games were really not on TV, Nebraska had the advantage of having that game on television. And even um, the last few years, it still remains the highest rated game on Black Friday as long as it's on non-cable. When it's on Fox Sports 1, a little bit different rating. But when the game has been played on ABC, um, it has been the highest ranked game um, the last few years against Nebraska and Iowa. So, uh, But you just think about the advantage Nebraska had for years and years, how they built their brand playing Oklahoma, even Colorado at times when the Buffaloes were a quality program. There's just so much history um, that you know you, you, you really built up. And uh, Barry Alvarez says, I don't want to play Black Friday. You know, I think there was some talk that Iowa and Wisconsin should play Black Friday. And Alvarez is a coach. And Bill Moose told Steve Sipple, I'm a marketer. I want the marketing. I, I can see why Alvarez wouldn't want Wisconsin on Black Friday. But um, the marketing guy and me, Bill Moose, said uh, this means too much. Well, it's part of the brand, like you mentioned. I mean, like you said, it's exactly like the Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving. I mean, it's just something you expect. Uh, it's just it, it's part of the deal. And so to come unroot that so just, like you said, unnecessarily – just didn't make any sense, and luckily it sounds like it's not going to be as big of a deal outside of playing Minnesota for a couple of years. Well, and those games have typically meant something. You know, over yeah, over well, history, they used to. Yeah, they they have meant something. Now they mean coaches getting fired <laughs> afterwards. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. basically the Willie get fired game. Yeah, exactly. But you know, <laughs> I think in the fu- in the near future they will mean something once again. But uh, but yeah, th- so that's just another layer to it all as to why the the whole thing is kind of a head scratcher to begin with. For once, I'm looking forward to actually going to Iowa City and saying, you know what, I can go to bed after this game and not worried about having the coach get fired the next day. I think we can safely say that what happened yeah, this those, year. Those looming Saturday morning press conferences, uh, those added a little unnecessary stress. Being in the parking lot at uh, 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. To, to wait on coaches pulling in, yeah, I don't think we have to worry about that this year coming up. But uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Black Friday, it's going to happen um, forever, as, as we've now learned from Bill Moose this week. And uh, we're going to talk more about other scheduling things as Bill Moose hinted on um, some other things. We could see some changes with the Big Ten, um, at least modifying. They're not going to go away from nine conference games. I know um, his comments were easy to misread that the conference could change that. They're sticking with nine, but maybe a change in the overall crossover approach um, you know, what, what, with how they do those crossover selections and um, matching up maybe tier ones and tier twos, et cetera. Nebraska right now, I believe, is practically playing two to three tier ones from the East a year. Um, and I'll be curious kind of what the Big Ten does starting in 22 after that. But non-conference talk as well. Uh, Bill Moose uh, gave some hints on that. We're going to discuss uh, some potential non-conference games and what would be your dream non-conference series. We'll discuss all of that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we're going to talk some scheduling now. Bill Moose said a lot of interesting things this uh, week. And tell you what, his radio show is almost tune-in radio because 
he is loose uh, with his thoughts sometimes. He'll he'll uh, say probably more than he should, and um, he hinted, I know, on some modifying of the Big Ten scheduling of the crossovers. Uh, not talking about going back to eight games. That that's that's not possible with the money now in TV revenue. The nine game setup is locked in. I know there was some confusion, um, and I was one of those guys that was confused because his thoughts could have easily been perceived that the Big Ten could discuss going back to eight games to be more competitive with the SEC and the ACC. I think the thought is the SEC will go to nine over time anyway because the money will make them do it. But he brought up non-conference scheduling, and one of the big thoughts he had is, I would like to schedule series with the old Big Eight schools, um, the Kansas States, the Kansases, the Missouris, the Colorados, um, those particularly um, on the scheduling. I mean, they've already got Oklahoma down for four they have Colorado down for four. Um, so I, I my read on that is he's looking at the Kansas schools and maybe Missouri um, as potential non-conference series. And um, it, it generated a lot of debate. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't mind that. And um, you look at the scheduling, though, Nebraska Robin doesn't have anything open until the 2030s. So I'm going to be about 50 years old when these <laughs> games take place. And we'll still be pretty cool at that point. But maybe oh, of course. we probably won't have near – our kids will be like in college, so I yeah, know they'll, they'll be coming with us, going to the bars. No, <laughs> picking us up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's cool in the sentimental sense. Um, obviously, there's still a lot of people that long for those Big Twelve North day trips. You know, the drive to Manhattan or Lawrence or Ames or even Columbia. Um, I mean, those just aren't around anymore. What was that big bar in Manhattan that was like? It's like four bars in oh. one. Well, the whole Aggieville area down yeah. there. Oh, Aggieville. There's a big bar, though, that it was like multiple bars, and you just kind of like walked around. I, 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 I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. It's been so long. I haven't been to Aggieville in so long. But, uh, yeah, so for, I, from the fan standpoint, I think it's really cool because obviously there's a lot of uh, nostalgia there and um, still some natural, I think, lingering feelings of rivalry that I think the fans on both sides, um, you know, those other schools, I'm sure, would love to have Nebraska back. I mean, just, just for old time's sake. And so that, in a sense, makes – you know, for their economy's sake. Yeah, for makes, makes sense. But from a football standpoint, I have a little more reservations. I mean, what good is going and playing Kansas and your non-con going to do for you? Or, I mean, I guess maybe it's going to vary from year to year. Maybe by 2030, the landscape looks a lot different. But, um, you know, I think with the limited, I mean, you're talking about three non-conference games. I mean, you need some some sparkle on there. I and, think. and Bill Moose said you need some developmental games too. And I, I don't disagree. I mean, you kind of need one or two that are going to help you get more guys playing time. Sure. So if you pair like one of those big, big eight uh, games or whatever with, you know, another like team from the PAC 12, that would be a UCLA or Oregon or, you know, Miami or something like that, something to add a little bit more shine to your non-conference resume, then I, I like it. Um, remove the Troy or the Akron from the game or from the schedule and then bo- bolster it up with some more Power 5 schools. In that sense, I like it. You can only play one Power 5, though. If you're playing nine Power 5 conference games, you cannot have more than one in the non-con. It's just not feasible if you want to have a sustainable program. Okay. Well, in that, in that sense, then I don't like having Iowa State being your one Power 5 game. That's just me. Yeah, I don't like that either. Uh, and I think that if if your marquee out of conference game is is a Kansas or an Iowa State or something, there's I mean that is that's a big dud. It is to me. I mean, who wants to? 
I mean, part of the part of the you know appeal to your yeah, out of conference games are going you know, to USC or Miami yeah, or going something like to that. yeah going being able to play a, a big time you know program um, you know setting up that trip in a year or two in advance a destination or, trip exactly I just don't think you can play eleven Power Five games I mean no one does that you'd be putting yourself at a disadvantage but who knows what the scheduling evolution is going to look like that far down the road I mean maybe that gets to a point where um, Power Fives just play each other and because you have to to have a resume strong enough to make the college football it won't playoff. happen until the sec goes to nine that's true Good point. i mean until the sec is playing eight with an fcs game in november and a neutral site non-conference game so the big brands the auburns the alabamas and the sec they're not going on the road they're playing in atlanta against a quality opponent but nick saban is smart enough not to put his team on the road right the neutral site I mean, he knows if he put his team in a hornet's nest on the road, it'd be a much harder environment. Uh, but if they play in one Atlanta at the Chick-fil-A game, they're going to win that game usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you are going to do uh, an out-of-conference game with a with a former Big uh, Big Eight opponent, I, I would make it Missouri because it's the SEC team. Sure. Um, you know, I think there's still there's some natural rivalry there. I know Missouri fans hate Nebraska, uh, and and I think you know you you look at maybe some recruiting implications as far as St. Louis goes. I, I think that, or just really the the state of Missouri in general, between from Kansas City to St. Louis, um, you know. That would probably make the most sense to me if that's going to be your your marquee out of conference game or, or something that you want to have you know a longstanding series with. Uh, I would go the the Missouri route with the I, SEC I, connections. I would like to create like an Arrowhead series, Nate and Robin. Yeah, that would be sweet. Like where you rotate in Nebraska with K State, Missouri, and Camp. I mean, something like that, mm-hmm. um, where you play it at Arrowhead. Because you know Nebraska fans have traveled. I mean, they had 60,000 there for a Big 12 title game in 06. Mm-hmm. There would be 40 to 50, if not more, 1,000 Nebraska fans that would just love to go to Kansas City. Uh, but neutral site games, Nebraska just has not done one. I mean, you think about the last one was in 94. Was, uh, didn't they play Oklahoma State in, in Arizona? Oh, yeah, that was 98. I'm sorry, Nate. Yeah. You're right. 98, Kansas City was Oklahoma State because they bought – Oklahoma State gave up their home game to basically take ticket money from Nebraska fans. Yeah. That almost happened with Southern Miss a few years ago. Remember that? They wanted to play it uh, in New Orleans, yeah, New and Orleans. then and it was an Arrowhead, and then it ended up just being another home game for Nebraska. But I was so mad they didn't go to New oh, Orleans. Oh, God, that was sweet. But, you know, like if, for me, I would rather have like a big, old Big 12 South. If you're going to do one of those, yeah. like rekindling, you know, go Texas. play go play Texas. Go play A&M, yeah. you know, something like that that has a little bit more draw to it that, uh, for one, gets you a big name and two gets you into another big conference um, as opposed to playing one of those you know more, little more regional uh, rivalry games and the recruiting guy here exactly. gets you back into Texas exactly I think that would be to me that would that would be the the ideal thing uh, or even or even if Oklahoma was was your you know was your marquee game I know that that series is coming up here but you know if that were more of a yearly deal I mean that would be awesome well the other thing I would say is as far as fan experience, nothing will ever top Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's not going to play Nebraska again. Uh, they've got that deal at the ACC now where they play, I think, five or six ACC games a year. And Notre Dame doesn't want Nebraska back in their stadium after 2000. I mean, they yeah. still talk about that. But after Notre Dame, I would too. It was embarrassing. Any, any trip <laughs> west is good for Nebraska as far as the fans go. Yeah. Uh, you look at Washington. You look at Oregon. UCLA. USC. Arizona State in 1996. Then even – the lesser one was Fresno State, but still, I mean, that was the worst venue Nebraska football's played a game in. Worst venue I've ever been to. Hottest game, um, terrible setup, but 
there were over 20,000 Nebraska fans that came to Fresno and just packed that place. So you put Nebraska West, I would like to see Stanford, Nebraska, and Palo Alto. That'd be cool. Because Palo Alto, first of all, they don't sell out that stadium. So that would be a very easy trip for Nebraska fans to get tickets, and they could fill up that place. Arizona State, we know, would be a ton of Nebraska fans Mm -hmm. there too. Cal would be the same way. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with UCLA, though. I mean, Nebraska's gone to UCLA, what, 93 in 2013. Um, so it's kind of once every 20 years they've gone out there. So hopefully they can get UCLA back. Yeah, that'd be good. And I'm, I'm with you. I think the Pac-12 is kind of a natural, you know, we talk about those destination games. Fans want to go somewhere unique. They want to go a place where they can make a trip out of it. They don't, Washington, too, was a good Exactly. One. Washington was an awesome trip. And so I think that that um, is far more appealing as far as adding Power 5 schools to your non-conference schedule than, you know, obviously, like I said, there's the emotional aspect of adding the Kansas schools, the Iowa State, the Missouris. But I don't know how much it does for you from a competitive standpoint and then really from that being um, the, the enticing game of your non-conference well, and, schedule. And you're limited because the SEC and the ACC, they, they just will not play Big Ten no, teams at home and homes. Um, Nebraska has Tennessee on the schedule, but Tennessee moved the series later, and who knows if that will ever materialize. But for whatever reason, the SEC and the ACC really will not play Nebraska other than Miami. Virginia Tech's been on the schedule too, but you almost have to go west um, to get some of these games, and I think the Big 12 is another viable option. Would Notre Dame ever do a neutral site game with Nebraska? Well, they have the Shamrock Series. They do a, you know, it's a one-time game called the Shamrock Series. They've played it in different locations for recruiting. So they played in Yankee Stadium. They've played in Fenway yeah. Park. Like if they would have played Notre Dame in Soldier Field or something like that, would that be cool? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would be cool, but the Shamrock Series in itself, they, they try to go to different venues for, for recruiting, sure. um, big sweet venues like uh, I want to say even they've played in the new uh, 49ers stadium or they have one there, but they've moved it around. They've played in the Alamo Dome, um, for example. But wherever Notre Dame plays, they sell out. It doesn't matter. I mean, they could play the game in Canada and they probably sell sure. the game out. Yeah. So um, fun stuff. We could sit here talking about non-conference scheduling sure. all day, uh, but when we come back. We're gonna bring in Matt Reynoldson. Uh, He's got some personal news he's going to share with us first, and then uh, we're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washa, Nate Klaus, and with us here for maybe the last time, uh, but we're still going to see plenty of him, is Matt Reynoldson, our Husker Online intern. Uh, Before we get to the mailbag, Matt, you've got some personal news you want to share on the air to our listeners. Yeah, personal news indeed. I just recently accepted a full-time position as a sports anchor and reporter at Channel 8 here in Lincoln, so hopefully you'll see me on your TV screens. So we will see plenty of Matt. Reynolds and we're gonna see your face now more than hear your voice yeah maybe so maybe so uh we'll see how much airtime they let me have after they uh after they see what I did to my face over vacation but and when do you stay <laughs> or when do you start uh right now as of right now I start June 18th well congratulations Matt um I know these last two years have been fun for all of us and um we're still gonna see plenty of you so I'm glad that you got this great opportunity absolutely don't be a stranger thanks so much all right let's get to the mailbag um lots of fun off the wall questions like always what do you have this week yeah aside from the little trolling of uh um, the other intern, David Eicholt, in the, uh, in the thread, uh, starting off on this one. If you had to pick one game in the 2018 season where Nebraska has a legitimate chance of upsetting a team and getting back to that back game, what would it be? I would say Michigan State's the one for me. It's in Lincoln. From a talent level, you know Michigan State is not Ohio State. They're not Michigan. They're not even Wisconsin. But they're just so well coached and schemed. 
But I, I think a lot of stock is being put on Michigan State because of winning a bowl game against a Washington State team that didn't have Luke Falk. Um, they had a good year last year. They return a lot. Um, but I think Michigan State is definitely a beatable team for Nebraska, as we've seen over the years in Lincoln. Yeah, I'm with you. That was actually going to be my pick because uh, I just did an interview with the Michigan State Rivals publisher for our uh, re spring review. And part of the questions there is kind of an early outlook on Nebraska versus that opponent. And so as far as the Michigan State game, he said that, that was probably the one that Michigan State fans are the most concerned about um, when you look at their schedule. For one, for whatever reason, Nebraska's had Michigan State's number more often than not. Um, two, it's at the end of the season when Michigan State is might be over looking things and three that will be their ninth straight game or week of playing a game because their bye week is like september 15th and then they scheduled some throwaway non-con game and their big 10 bye right before the conference schedule so they're going to be worn out physically um and so i mean that is kind of setting up for all the makings of potential trap game for the spartans and yes michigan state is going to be really good uh their roster is loaded but uh, with the way that that game is set up on the schedule and the fact that for whatever reason nebraska has been a thorn in michigan state's side and it's in Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, that, that has all the all the brewings of a potential another upset. Yeah, I've got to go Michigan State as well. But if I were going to say one road game, uh, I would I would lean towards Michigan. It's the, the Big Ten conference opener. There's some interesting storylines between Frost and Harbaugh, uh, and they kind of have a little bit of a history there. Uh, and I just have this feeling that, um, you know, Michigan's kind of a program that, that they've, they've kind of been stuck in neutral, it seems like, for the past year or two. And and Nebraska, I feel like Frost and, and the staff, you know, might have a few things up their sleeves that they may not have shown uh, in the first few well, games. Well, and Shea Patterson season. is a spread quarterback. He's not really a – He's not a pro-style guy. And how they blend that together, Nate, will be yeah. interesting. Well, yeah, and they've got, like, co-coordinators now. And mm -hmm. so it's like, who's calling the – I don't know. They Jim just, McElwain's there, right? There's, uh, I, I think so, yeah. It's just – there seems to be a lot of questions around Michigan right now. Um, and, and I feel like that might be a game that Nebraska – could go out and, and maybe steal one on the road. All right, guys, keeping in mind that no Nebraska cornerback had an interception last year, what's most likely to happen this year? A corner with three-plus interceptions, somebody with eight-plus sacks, or a running back with 1,000-plus rushing yards? Corner with three interceptions. Um, I just think the style of scheme, I don't know if there will be a guy with eight sacks. I, I think you're going to have a couple in that five to seven range, but I don't see a true Randy Gregory type guy that's going to consistently get to the quarterback enough to get eight sacks. That's a lot of sacks, um, especially when you're playing 10 power five opponents that have probably 10 better left tackles than, you know, if, if you played like a main or somebody lower, you could rack up a few sacks and get your numbers up, but they don't have those kinds of games on this schedule. You're going to be playing a lot of NFL offensive linemen, thousand yards rushing. It could be possible, but we still don't really know if Greg Bell is going to be how, how good he's going to be. I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, or could even Trey Bryant come back? Yeah, I think that Sachs is the least likely of those three, but I'm leaning more towards 1,000 yards rushing uh, just because. Greg Bell or who? Um, as of now, right now, yeah, Greg Bell, uh, because of the volume of plays they're going to run. And you look at Frost, I mean, he's traditionally been more of a run-oriented uh, play caller. I mean, it, it, you think of it as just this aired out, you know, air raid offense, but there's been a lot of 
uh, run game balance uh, in their schemes. And so, I mean, he's got a track record of producing thousand yard rushers everywhere he's been. Um, so I wouldn't rule it out at all for Nebraska finally to get over that thousand yard mark. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the thousand yard rusher as well. Um, and and part of that is because the running back is is a big part of this offense. Uh, I think that that would be one more kind of feather in Scott Frost's cap of getting Nebraska back, you know, and and um, and also. You know, with the cornerback situation, is a little scary to me, um, yeah. and, and and I just I'm just not convinced that there are the type of playmakers there uh, that are going to rack up multiple interceptions, especially this spring when uh, Ethan ta- Cox is like your fourth corner. Yeah, and they're yeah. talking about their inability to make plays on exactly. the ball. Exactly. I mean, exactly. that was the, one of the biggest concerns the staff had. I'm You're- not saying it can't happen. I just don't have a ton of confidence in those guys. I've got more confidence that a guy like Greg Bell could come in and be a thousand yard guy. I agree. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're taking your questions in. In the mailbag with Matt Reynoldson. Keeping in mind the whole coaching overhaul and conditioning overhaul that were probably problems last year. Overall, what would you say might be the biggest weakness of this team here in the fall? Weaknesses as far as positions go, I still believe um, corner, as we just talked about, is definitely one of them. Um, and then the other one, um, I'm trying to think on offense where I would go with this. Um, Offensive line depth? The tackle position. Yeah. The guard and center is fine. I'm not worried about that, but... If they suffered an injury to Matt Farniak or Brendan Hymas, they're in deep trouble, in my opinion, on the offensive line. Yeah. Another one I'll throw out is just the inexperience at quarterback. I mean, whoever wins that job will have never played a live college snap. And so, I mean, you're really opening yourself up to some um, young guy learning bumps and are along the road there. And so, I mean, that's, that could potentially be an issue, especially getting this offense um, clicking at the level it needs to be to be effective. Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, a proven pass rusher is something that this this team really doesn't have. Somebody that on that defensive side of the football where the offense has got to know where he's at at all times, especially in a passing situation, there's just – I don't know if there's anybody on that side of the ball, at least right now, that really strikes fear in an opponent as far as being a guy that can get to the quarterback. Well, for 2019, Nebraska has the most offers out of any Power 5 school. So with Frost showing he's not afraid to be the first to offer with 2020 and 2021 prospects, how much do you value recruiting rankings at this point? Well, I, I, I don't know if it necessarily has anything to, to do with recruiting rankings. I, I think that uh, there are a couple of reasons why they have so many offers out right now. And I think, uh, first and foremost, they've had to make up a lot of ground because the way they had to close out the 2018 class uh, they were pouring all of their energy into that, whereas a lot of a lot of other teams out there, the majority of other teams out there, were able to kind of start to turn their attention to the 2019 class. And so uh, they were kind of behind the eight ball. They've had to make up a lot of ground. They've had to work extra hard at identifying talent, offering, um, and then establishing the relationships that come after you have offered. So, um, and they've continued to do that. I mean, they they are working overtime, evaluating players and, and offering guys and and um, kind of setting things up. So, um, you know, I don't know if it, if it necessarily, you know, devalues rankings or, or, you know, what. I don't know, you know, how you want to look at it. But I just think that this staff is – they're not afraid to, uh, to go out and evaluate guys. And if they think a guy is, fits what they like to do on offense or defense, they're going to offer. All right, we got time for one more question here, Matt. Your final question maybe ever to us in the mailbag. Well, then I'll be a little nostalgic here. Uh, what are your favorite memories of myself and David in your first crop of interns here at Husker Online? <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. Um, 
just the, the road trips. I mean, get, get, letting you guys have the chance to, to go on the road, um, you know, and go into places like Wisconsin and Ohio State and Northwestern. Um, just, you know, because I, I feel like guys in the college now don't really get to do that as much as, say, Robin and I did. We grew up in the Big 12, so we went to every road game. And, and you know, I, I was just happy to get to see you guys get to experience some of these things. Because uh, that's the only way you're going to get to where you want to be is is getting the real reps in what we're doing. So it was fun just to to get to be the old men and be like dads on the road and showing you guys around the Big Ten. Yeah, the the Northwestern trip was fun uh, when you guys <laughs> both made the trip. That was that was a good time. But uh, I think probably the way that you guys handled the message board is probably the funniest part. About you didn't know it. what you were getting into with the Red Sea Scrolls. <laughs> when, Certainly not. <laughs> when when Mark Robertson and <laughs> David Elkhorn, David Elkhorn, Darren Elkhorn, and Mark Reynolds. Mark Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that you you took it in stride, which is a big part of being a Husker Online employee. You got to know how to handle the boards, and you guys did a good job of that. Yeah, I, I, without a doubt, it's it's how you handle yourselves on the message boards. I mean, there are um, for a couple of millennials, you're not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wide array of characters on the Red Sea Scrolls, and you guys didn't flinch, so kudos to you. No, we enjoyed having both of you guys, uh, Matt, and, and like I said, we're gonna hopefully we'll, we'll be on the road with you this year. Hopefully you get a chance to travel a little bit with Channel 8, and uh, I know they're bringing in all new people, and you're going to be kind of the veteran brain trust of what's going on because you've been around the last two years. Hope so, and maybe those road trips uh, that, that I've had the last couple of years will uh, lend toward that experience. I think it certainly will. Well, hey, Matt, uh, thanks again. Uh, I know we were uh, really, really uh, happy for you to get this opportunity at Channel 8, and uh, we thank you for your contributions to Husker Online the last two years. Thank you so much. All right, when we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk. Nate Klaus and I were in Chicago this weekend. We'll get some thoughts from the Rivals Camp and a possible commit from the junior college player is looming. We'll give you those thoughts next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we are going to talk some Husker recruiting, Nate. And first of all, uh, evaluation period is about to close. How many more days does Nebraska have out, really? I mean, do you, I mean, it, it's it's flexible. Well, is May 31st, though, the last day you can be out, or can you be out till June 2nd? No, it's the end of May. Um, so, I mean, it's coming to a, you know, nearing a close, I guess you could say. Now, um, between April 15th and the end of May, there are a certain amount of evaluations that can be made. So I would I would bet that Nebraska is, is maxed out, yeah, getting close to being completely maxed out. So uh, I would assume that here over the next week or so, you know, a lot of the coaches will be coming back off the road and, and staying in and being able to, to maybe catch their breath and, and spend a little bit of time with their families, um, you know, so as those evaluations uh, that, they, that they have in the bank basically, uh, you know, become completely used. So uh, so things may slow down for, for just a, a day or two before well, camp season starts up in June. Yeah, Memorial Day is Monday, so you know the 29th they're not going to be out. It's going to be shut down everywhere. So there's really only two more days after, and school, yep. school's out almost everywhere other than maybe the West Coast. Um, but I would think, Nate, like you said, camp season, uh, Nebraska will be um, opening their youth camps on the weekend, I think, in Lincoln. But June 3rd, um, uh, that Sunday is when – or excuse me, June 2nd will be the St. Louis satellite camps and then the Texas A&M one as well. So uh, they've got a full slate that really begins the next weekend. Yeah, and, and I believe their first youth camp is on June 2nd as well. So they've – I mean, they're, they're going to have coaches spread out – you know, basically 
the beginning of the beginning of June, um, and and that will run. I mean, basically all the way until uh, you know. I think the the twenty third is is one of their last camps that they're planning on being out on the road at. So uh, you know, pretty for the better part of the entire month of June, they'll be they'll be you know crisscrossing the country doing satellite camps and also hosting their own camps here in Lincoln and and for the large majority of it they'll have kind of a split staff um, you know I guess juggling a bunch of different responsibilities and then that first satellite camp um, that will happen at Texas A&M the Adidas sponsored camp is actually scheduled for Saturday June 2nd and they're only doing one I'm looking at the uh, the website right now Nate here for Texas A&M and then it's a uh, 9 a.m. to 1.30 camp Saturday, June 2nd. So it will be interesting to see. That was a massive camp a year ago. Um, they did two different ones. Uh, they're doing just one. But then it will really pick up in Atlanta and Miami. Um, but I, I, we still don't really have a good feel on how Nebraska is going to approach the camp week with their individual camps going on right during the same time as these major Adidas sponsored satellite camps that the rest of the Adidas schools will have their entire coaching staff set. Yeah. That's going to be the one, I guess, probably the biggest difference between the, how the last staff did it and how this staff will handle, um, you know, their camps and the, the satellite camps is, you know, last year we saw basically the entire staff out on the road, do that. All, all camp. Adidas staffs yeah, are out. Yeah. Every, yeah. As a whole entire staff uh, kind of do the Adidas satellite camp uh, circuit but this year, I mean, with with the the camps, you know, taking place in Lincoln at the same time, Scott Frost is going to have to stay in Lincoln. I mean, he's going to have to be kind of the face of those camps. You know, I know if I sent my kid to a camp in Lincoln and the head coach wasn't there, I'd be kind of upset about that. So I, I, I would think that Scott Frost for sure will be uh, staying in Lincoln, won't be going out on the road. I, I'm assuming maybe you'll have the coordinators uh, go out on the road. Well, for least. sure the Florida guys. You, yeah. You're going to have Fisher. You're going to have DeWitt. Um, Rude. Rude. Well, yeah, Fisher, DeWitt. Rude, um, what's his name? Uh, the coach from uh, UCF that um, Becton. Becton. I mean, those guys are going to have to be yeah. in Atlanta and Florida, right? I mean, for sure. Yeah, I mean, those are, the, and then maybe a coordinator or two. Yeah, Dewitt for sure. Um, you know, the we'll, he'll be at the the FAU, uh, you know, or the yeah FAU FIU satellite camps. I mean, that's that's kind of right in his wheelhouse. That's his area. Um, that Miami. Uh, Broward, Dade County area. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I think you, you would have to have all your Florida guys uh, down in Georgia and, and it, South Florida. It, exactly. Yep. And then the coordinator thing will be kind of how they, how they want to do it, but they're going to find out real quick. Those are pretty big camps. And I'd imagine next year, the year after they'll, they'll probably reevaluate how they want to cover those because uh, the amount of talent that we saw down there and we've been to a lot of camps, Nate. Those were as good as any camps I've ever been to. Yeah, well, and, and you know what? I don't think they'll be surprised. I don't think they'll be shocked by the numbers. I mean, we have to remember they're coming from from Central Florida. You know, they I think they kind of have a pretty good idea of the landscape. And, and they know and, the kids. And they know the kids. They know how many kids are <laughs> are in that, in that region, you know, from basically from Atlanta to Miami. I mean, <laughs> there's probably, you know, 1,600 Division One prospects, um, you know, right in right Before that. you know they're full story yeah before yeah before you know their whole story so I mean there are just a ton of athletes a ton of prospects in those regions so and they know that so I, I don't think that they'll necessarily be caught off guard but yeah the the one thing that will be interesting is is to see kind of how they juggle things you're listening here to the Husker online show as we talk some recruiting Nate we were in Chicago this weekend as well uh, rivals camp series event 
terrible weather. I mean, as far as the, yeah. the Midwest camps that we've been to, uh, we've been to Kansas City, St. Louis, Chicago. Um, this is, I believe, the fifth or sixth year of these arrivals camps now, um, dating back to the Under Armour days, and by far the worst conditions. But uh, we got to see Garrett Nelson, uh, Garrett Snodgrass, a number of other key targets. Ky- Kyron Williams from St. Louis was there. Um, just your overall kind of big picture view of what you saw in Chicago this weekend. Well, I mean, uh, with a lot of those guys, they, they kind of they are who we thought they were. You know, I, I, <laughs> thank uh, you, Dennis Erickson. Yeah, yeah, with Dennis Green. Dennis so, Green. Um, you know, I, I think w- you have to start with the commitments. I, I think the Garrett Nelson, Garrett Snodgrass, those guys. Uh, tip your cap to those two because you know what? They love to compete. Those two guys didn't have anything to prove to anybody. They're already committed. They already have their dream school offer. They've committed to their dream school. Uh, but those those two love to compete, and they don't turn down an opportunity to go out and get better. Uh, and that's what they did on, on Sunday. They went out and they competed against some of the best players in the region, uh, and they more than held their own. They, they, they did just as well as we thought they were going to do. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see those guys guys once they get to Lincoln because uh, they're they're kind of your they're like throwback in-state kids you know they they bleed Husker red they're super excited to get to Lincoln uh, so I, I, I'm really excited to see how their careers pan out um, and just their ma- with the makeup they have you know they're going to be successful or you just get that you get that feeling uh, that they're gonna they're gonna work harder than anybody they're gonna they're gonna be very successful when they once they get to Lincoln um, you know some of the, maybe the surprise of the camp was Caden McCormick out of Lincoln Southwest you know goes down there um, was was at the state track meet on meet on Saturday uh, makes it to Chicago Sunday and ends up winning the the linebacker MVP um, and, and I think the strides that he's made from last year's rivals camp uh, in, in kind of the the summer camps that he attended last summer uh, to to this year's camp I think were pretty significant and if he can uh, have you know perform at that level with the camps that he's got coming up in the month of June plus put together a healthy football season because last year he only played four games because of uh, some reoccurring you know ankle injury and whatnot. I think that he's got an opportunity to add some pretty decent offers to, to his list. So, um, you know, you mentioned Kyron Williams, uh, who's been a longtime uh, Husker target. I mean, Nebraska was the first school to offer him after the, the St. Louis satellite camp a couple years ago, and then he then he made it to Nebraska's Friday Night Lights camp uh, following his freshman year. Uh, and that's why they're in his top eight, uh, is because they were the first school to recognize him. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the previous staff, who was the first to offer him, was recruiting him as a wide receiver. He is being recruited more as a running back. And they're full at running back, Nate. Well, but not, we'll see. All-purpose uh, guys, though. Yeah. They, they look at it a little bit differently, yeah, right? So, so he kind of falls into that Miles Jones category where he's a slot receiver slash running J.D. Spielman, even. Maybe, yeah, even a J.D. Spielman type guy. So, uh, But that's where Kyron Williams worked out at was the running back position. Ended up taking home the, the MVP at that spot, too. Uh, and I think he'd be a great fit there. So, And he might be you know, one of the the St. Louis prospect that Nebraska has got uh, a decent shot with. I, I actually, I don't get the feeling right now that Nebraska is the team to beat. I, I think that um, I think Michigan and Notre Dame probably have a little bit of an edge there. But the Huskers are in his top eight. We'll see what happens. All right, we got to wrap it up, Nate. But briefly, 
Nebraska could be getting a Jugo commit here shortly. Give us the insight. Yeah, Tony Fair, big 6'3", 330-pound defensive tackle out of Tucson, Arizona, Pima Community College, um, is is down to Indiana and Nebraska is going to be deciding, uh, you know, here in the next couple of days, uh, uh, Saturday most likely. Um, But, uh, you know, he's from the state of Indiana, and when he got the Indiana offer, they immediately became one of his favorites. But then Nebraska offered, and and kind of threw a wrench into things, and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, this could be a, a pretty big addition for the Huskers if he does pick them, uh, and I'm feeling pretty good about things right now. Um, you know, and, and kind of when you – if you after you lose Mick Stoltenberg next year, he could be kind of that stopgap between, uh, you know, between some of the younger guys that are coming up, like a Damian Daniels, who are, who are your prototypical nose, nose tackles. Well, lots to keep t- uh, tabs on this weekend uh, as uh, we will have the latest on that but that wraps it up here for another edition of the husker online show thanks again for joining us this week on husker online your authority on nebraska athletics